Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode comes from our Q&A with Jordan Hogg, director of the fantastic television series, Ralph and Katie, the first TV drama to star two lead performers with Down syndrome. Jordan spoke to fellow director Delif Thomas about the steps he took to raise the bar on accessibility in his production. From employing a creative coach and easy read call sheets, to utilising the Call It app as a safety net for cast and crew. Ralph and Katie is available to watch now on iPlayer. Call It is available to download on iPhone and Android. We hope you enjoy. Hello all. Um, please welcome Lord Hogg of Sealand himself, the glorious director Jordan Hogg. Hello. Thanks very much for agreeing to do this chat about Ralph and Katie. I hope you've all seen it. It's a brilliant show. Really, really lovely. And the first thing I'm going to ask you is, how did you get the job? Uh, bribery, um, essentially. I um, It was really weird. It was the first time it's happened. Um, I went for a meeting for The A Word. It was actually for um, the episode where Ralph and Katie got married. And uh, I didn't get it at the time. So I was, oh, I was a bit down about it. But I went on... A few months passed and I was on Twitter and I noticed the uh, a thing came up saying Ralph and Katie had been green lit and I was like oh this is an amazing show what a great idea this is so I emailed my agent I think this was about four or five o'clock on a Friday I said look I've seen this on Twitter can you get me anywhere near it I'd love to do it anyway the weekend passed and my agent phoned me up like 10 o'clock on Monday morning and said oh ITV Studios have been in touch. Peter Bowker's written a series and he wants you to direct it. It's called Ralph and Katie. And I was like, bloody hell, I, I emailed you on Friday about that. God, I want to do it. It's amazing. And so that's like, I, I didn't get the initial job I went for, but Pete still remembered me and thought I'd be a good fit for Ralph and Katie. And it's weird how it turned out, but it was, it was so fortunate. It was like it was meant to be. That's brilliant. I So, yeah, it's, it's also quite heartening because the amount of meetings we go to and then you don't get and you, you kind of disappear off into the ether. So brilliant. Well done. And um, I, and I'm, I'm going to ask what drew you to the job. It's a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because it's actually quite important in the great scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a, a spit out job. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> the, the amount of shows that we work on in our industry, they're kind of like the same thing, but repackaged. Ralph and Katie, from the outset, was completely pioneering. Never been done before, never been attempted. And as a, as a disabled guy myself, it's, it's the opportunity to put us on a pedestal and show what we can do and what we're capable of and what, what the industry should be aspiring to be. And it's not very often a project like that comes along where it's never come along before. So... I really couldn't turn that chance down. I was saying from day one to, to the amazing producer Jules, I hope she doesn't hear me calling her amazing. Um, but um, yeah, I was saying to her every day that we're going to change the world. Um, and I think we've kind of taken a few steps towards possibly doing that with our industry. Yay, brilliant. I look for that. I mean, I have to say, I, I think it's an amazing show. I really love it. And um, I'm assuming everybody's seen it because they're here. Uh, uh, I'm going to keep an eye on the Q&A chat boxing. So if you want to ask questions as you go along, um, I'll be keeping an eye. So um, pre-production. So you, you got the job. Yay. You've negotiated the deal. It's all done and dusted. You're there. How on earth do you start? Because choosing crew, casting. Let's start with crew because that's 
I know yeah. can be quite challenging in this kind of arena. Totally, because we're totally, we understood from day one, we're, we're totally going into the unknown. So far, it's never been attempted for what we're trying to do. There's never been a show with two learned disabled leads. And the, uh, Leon and Sarah themselves are both very, very different people. Um, mm -hmm. So we knew that we couldn't shoot the show as a conventional drama. Um, and we had to do a lot of, of different things. And we, we had to start off with working our own way how to do things. Because our industry seems to be very set in its ways and how we do things. There's always a way that things are done. But we had to kind of go away from that and kind of start from scratch, say, no, we're going to do it like this, and it's going to work just as well, uh, well, we hoped. Um, <laughs> so we started off with crew, and I think I used the term, um, I gave this really shit rah-rah speech to everybody on on, on the first day, and I, I kind of used, I used the term responsibility. Because um, for me, that that's, it's a word that's made up of two other words, response and ability. And everyone we saw for the job, we knew they had the ability to do it. They had the good enough CVs and the good enough um, work ethic and whatnot to do the job. But that's not we need, what we needed because we knew we had to do something differently. So the other word is response. So the, the crew we chose, we chose them on how they would respond to the situation they were in. Um, we asked them numerous questions when we were chatting to them because we knew everything we did would going to have to be backwards to how it's normally done before and everything had to be done in a different way and in a different on a kind of massive scale that's never been done um so we kind of, me and jules kind of sat down and we handpicked every single individual member of crew to make sure they'd fit our ethos and understood that everybody's voice mattered everybody's own life experience mattered what they were going to bring to this and they understood the, the restrictions we were working under and how we had to work differently and the different techniques we used um, and how we had to kind of pioneer a new way of doing things and having that open-mindedness um, to be able to achieve that and having no attitude or ego that all had to be totally left at the door and uh, um, all the crew we picked were, were superb from that point of view. They were all, we were all part of the same team and we all understood what we were doing um and i give the speech about the whole industry will be aware of us not where we were doing we were the pioneers we were at the front everyone would be talking about us and we were all chosen for that um so yeah that's, that's kind of where it started just getting the best people um the best personalities to do the job and so in terms of pre-production so you, you've got your crew on you've got your crew on board i know that pre-production for a show like this is completely different um and so well, let's just start. Let's start talking about sort of things like sets and costume and design, and what you did differently there because you did. <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean, doing this, we had, we had with it being a spin-off of the A word. Well, I said I said A word was a swear word because I said we're not doing the A word, but it's <laughs> connected. It's like I want people to think of Ralph and Katie and the A word as if people think of Cheers and Frasier. <laughs> totally different shows, but still perfect. Great. Um, but what we had to do is we had to stick to the the uh, landscape, if you like, or the setting of the A word. It was obviously still in the Lakes, Lake District, but it was still its own thing. And we still had to 
um, had the elements in it that suited Leon and Sarah. But then we have the balance of trying to make it look like this show that everyone is familiar with, but different. But again, making it different. But we had to find the fine line with it being realistic and not too in- infantile and childish. We had to be so selective with the the colour palette we used, even like the, the wallpaper and the paint we used in the front room. I think Joe, um, the designer, um, and Ian, the DOP, we went and sat in that front room, like three of us, thinking, oh, that five or six different shades of blue on the wall, thinking, no, that's not, that's too CBBC, that's, <laughs> that's not going to pop enough, that's a bit dull, and trying to find the right level of, like every colour was literally considered because we, we were so conscious of making Leon and Sarah look infantile. We wanted this to be a serious drama about a young couple. Um, but as well, Joe, the, the designer, sat down with Leon and Sarah and he got them to bring in things from home, um, items they had at home, which were part of their life and things they were familiar with. And we let we sat down and asked them what colours they do, how they decorate the house, and what they what they felt was right and things. Um, but in doing so, we had to actually find the exteriors first. Um, I always say Leon and Sarah are the biggest house in the world because the front of the house was in Bollington, the middle of the house was in Centre Man, Central Manchester, and the back of the house was in North Manchester. So their house was about thirty miles long. <laughs> uh, essentially so um so we had to find the exterior but we had to match the set to the yeah obviously as well as making it a practical environment for uh, a young disabled couple living in it so even when we found the exteriors it had to be plausible that a disabled couple lived in it like we had steps in the garden so we had to have like handrails and things like that and all the accessibility requirements the easy turn door handles and and whatnot had to be addressed so it's uh it was a bit of a task, um, <laughs> but we got there. I mean, beautifully done. I, I love the colour palettes on them because uh, they, they you know, the characters are, they're, they're very alive, but they're not, as you said, they're not that CBBC dumbed down thing. But well, what I wanted to do is I wanted, I took the, we took the A word colour palette and all I wanted to do was turn it up a couple of notches. Yeah. Because I, I still wanted that sense of familiarity, but I wanted it to be more, hopeful and joyous than the the a word is at times i mean personally the onesies at the end are my favorite yeah, class. <laughs> the onesies but um talking about involving leon and sarah can you talk to us a little bit about how much you involved them to the whole process particularly in casting because that again this is quite it's sort of a it's sort of it, it's both unusual and not uncommon but the way you did it was slightly different so can you talk yeah. about that a bit I think what happened, what we on the show, all we were doing constantly was trying to find um, honesty and truth in what we were representing. Um, obviously, we're, we're kind of heightened to a certain extent with the uh, learning disabled couple living so independently as as Ralph and Katie are. But we, again, we wanted that sense of reality. So we wanted, we knew if we could get the actual Leon and Sarah on screen, we'd be laughing because uh, their personalities are just, just electric. So uh, we kind of wanted to capture that. So we wanted to give them the best comfortable environment possible. So we included them in literally everything, like the colour schemes, the the, the costumes. Um, we introduced them to crew early on, as soon as crew came on board and everyone explained their positions and what they do. 
Um, and we all kind of bonded like that. Um, but um, casting was major. Um, casting the supporting mm-hmm. roles for um, Danny and... You put me on the spot, I can't remember. With well, the, the lovely cafe owner. Yes, I, I know. Jamie, her name's Jamie, but I can't remember the name of the character. So I'll just say Dylan and Jamie. Um, oh, God, what's the name? I've gone blank. Um, so Dylan and Jamie, when we came to, to choose the, the sporting characters, we we had lots of, I, on my own, had lots of Zoom auditions with potential actors, me and the casting director. And what we tried to do is we tried to, again, it was building on the theory of responsibility. Um, all the actors we saw had the, the ability to do the show easily and very well and very articulately. Um, but again, it boiled down to responsibility, how much of a giving person they would be to Leon and Sarah and able, enable us to capture Leon and Sarah and how much they would give uh, to them. Um, which was major. So we managed to whittle down the actors. Then we we brought a couple in. I think we brought three for each um, character into the um, into chemistry reads with Leon and Sarah. And what we did is um, we told Leon and Sarah we were looking for who'd work best with them, and their opinion was really valid. So we had it at a green room, and I brought in. I think I brought in. Kaplunk and Jenga. <laughs> and, and Leon uh, brought his um, iPod in. Um, and what we did is we just set the games out in the green room and we put we did the chemistry reads, then we split them up. So there was always one of them in the green room, Leon and Sarah, to figure out what was... Uh. So what we did is we watched them in the green room to see who was playing the board games and who was maybe playing fairly and, and whatnot. And we, we ended up going through it and we knew we'd chosen the right people when we went in the green room and the, the two we chose and were dancing with Leon and Sarah to JLS and okay. Leon was showing them a routine that he'd choreographed <laughs> and they were all copying Leon. Um, and Leon and Sarah came to me afterwards and said, oh, we want, we want Dylan and Jamie. We think they're, we think they're unbelievable. Oh, um, character's name is Emma. Thank, Emma, thank you very Emma, much. Yes, Emma. Fantastic, yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that worked out um, really well. And again, it, it just boiled down to the, um, the theory of responsibility. And I've, I've done a lot of shows, and I, I don't have time for egos. And this was certainly a show when we couldn't afford time or patience for any egos. It was generally all all we wanted was good, nice giving caring people like every show we want that (laughs) and before we go on to talking about um how you got performances can can we just talk a little bit about i've got it inclusion beyond the norm because that was factored into every element of the production right from the right from pre-production through to post so would you talk a little bit about that about the trainee schemes about all the other things you put in place so that people felt safe like call it up and things like that absolutely Uh, well i i I always say we're in the business of making magic and dreams so who why should we stand in, in the way of people wanting to achieve their dreams so um, we we set out to, for this to be the most inclusive show that's ever happened. I think not just in our industry. I think it was probably the most inclusive environment that any industry has ever 
accomplished. Uh, well, we had we had a disabled training in every department. We had uh, there was a deaf girl in costume. There was the EPK uh, lady with Down syndrome. The onset photographer was a wheelchair user. Um, we had people of colour in every department. Um, we, had, we had trans people. It was it was the most inclusive, and everyone was so happy because what we did is we spoke to every single crew member that was there about their accessibility needs it just wasn't just the disabled people who had accessibility needs it was literally everybody um so everybody felt included nobody felt separated from everybody else it was so inclusive and everybody got their their needs addressed and we had this we trialed the fa this fantastic app called call it um which obviously you're very familiar with Dallas but you get um every day it's just an app and every day it, a question comes up on your phone saying how were you treated today and you've just got the green, amber, and red button. And, it, and you just press like green or amber, it depends how your day has been. Um, but it provides such a, a kind of safety and a safe environment for everybody. Um, and that show was so happy because everybody, nobody had any stresses or problems or felt like the, they were causing anyone a problem because everybody was included. Um, and I, there was one of the runners called Ben. Um, I nicknamed him Teenager. Because <laughs> um, I literally put them to take up down, I'd put my hand out and be full again it, without him even appearing. It was amazing. Oh, brilliant! But when when Ben first appeared, he came into the office one day on his first day, and he, he couldn't look me. He didn't didn't look at me in the face. He had his head down all the time. Um, and I I just said, come and sit at my desk. And we had a chat to him, um, and I asked him what he wanted to do and things and. And Jules was sat opposite me, the producer, and, and when Ben left, she went, um, God, I wish, I wish I'd have um, recorded that because the, the lad physically changed during that conversation. He became somebody else. Um, and he had, um, he had his a hand missing on his, his left arm, I think. And he always used to pull the jumper down. over. When he came in, he pulled his jumper down over his hand. And um, when he'd left the room, I said to Jules, I'm going to have him in a T-shirt by the end of this job. And uh, after about a week of shooting, he started rolling his sleeves up on his jumper. And by the end, he was in a T-shirt. Me and Jules bought him a T-shirt with Teenager on. Um, they, they wore and he ended up going to the, uh, the costume sale and he bought all of Brian's costumes, which was Craig Cash's costumes. And we're in the Lake District Rolling Hotel and he was the last one partying at three o'clock in the morning in the, in the hotel bar. So I think the, the, the point of all this long-winded story is we didn't just make an inclusive project with Ralph and Katie. We changed people's lives. We really oh, brilliant. people. And I think as an industry, we have the power to do this. And I can't understand why every show doesn't do this. Is is not what we did. It was not difficult at all. all. All it took was a little bit of thought and speaking to people and communication. And when we did we, early on, we, I always said that I said to the whole crew, "If you've got a question about my disability, just come and ask. There's nothing to be frightened of at all. Just, just, just if you've got a question, just ask. We'll always answer your questions." <laughs> And that's, yeah, yeah. No, no, be terrified of you, Jordan, because you'll get all sweary. I do, yeah, a force of nature. <laughs> force of nature. Um, should we play the first clip? Because that, that leads us into talking really nicely about um, your choice of cameras, whether you use second camera, two cameras, one one camera, how you how you worked with 
both Leon and Sarah. So let's play the first clip. Here we watched a clip of Ralph's dance scene from episode two. It's 19 minutes into the episode. So I like that scene and it kind of makes sense. Oh, it's sweet. It's really, I love it. It's such a sweet scene. Um, and it kind of brings us on to how you worked with Leon and Sarah, because you you prepared for it in pre-production. And then let's talk a little bit about the techniques that we know it was Jess, wasn't it? Was it Jess? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jess died really, really early on. I think she just came Would on. Can you explain who she is to our to our so Jess is our um, access coordinator, our creative um, enabler, creative coach. Um, she was called around. She had just had um, different techniques on how um, learning disabled people interpret different things and different emotions. She was kind of like an acting coach for, for Sarah and Leon, so to speak. Um, and she had a plethora of... Um, techniques she used to find emotions with them and, and, and Jess came on board about um, six weeks before we started shooting and she had her own space in the, in the studio which was like a rehearsal space um, for, for Leon and Sarah and um, we she spoke with them about all the different episodes I think episode five was about, um, about um, Ralph having cancer and um, she took Leon to the, the medical museum um, things to understand what it was. And she had lots of conversations with, and she went to speak to a counsellor with Sarah about when her parents got divorced um, and things like that. And she created this um, big wall, it was, um, and they had all different cards for the different scenes along, along the walls. So if we're doing a scene, she could just point to the, to the card at what point we're filming in the story. Um, so Leon and Sarah knew, and she did. Um, she did a lot of rehearsals with them, um, and I'd go and sit in with them, and and just, I didn't really give my input at that stage. I just wanted them to it all sink in for Leon and Sarah, the story wise. I didn't want to interfere, but I went and sit and watched quite a, a few of the sessions, and as well as doing that, I think we just associated um, like a different color or smell or object. Um, to the episode we were doing. So Leon and Sarah knew what episode we were doing by associating it with what smell, colour or object it was. And um, the techniques Jess used, I don't think, if we didn't have Jess, I don't think that we'd have been able to do the this, this show at all. Um, what we did it's, always that, it's that balance, isn't it? Because you as a director, you, you know, I'm like, I'm going to like, I know you like 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 me. You like to shape, you shape performances very early on, and it's like, how do you tread that line, and how do you how do you as a director work with someone like Jess so that she doesn't kind of step into your territory? But equally, you have to collaborate. If you don't collaborate, you don't have the end product. So, so you don't get the performance end product performance. So, really, exactly. line to tread yeah. that. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's a, again, it goes back to the the responsibility term. I couldn't have any ego <laughs> at all. Um, I had to um, respond to the, the to the kind of situation, um, and me and Jess worked very closely on what we needed. Um, we'd, we'd block it together. Then I'd literally, I would never give notes to Leon and Sarah on the floor. Uh-huh. I, I'd always call Jess out, and me and Jess would just stand off set and say, "I need a bit more here, a bit more there," and we'd kind of do it like that. But I think the 
as such, I had to literally edit in my head all the time. I could take one line out of one take, one line out of another. We'd never really get a full, full. It'd be very rare to get a full scene in one go. Well, would you talk about the fishing scene in that context, please? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's quite an interesting one to talk about. I think yeah, it was because it was like um, that was the last scene we shot um, in the whole series, um, and it was. After like a six weeks shoot, I think everyone gets fatigued. But I think we there's things you forget when you're working with people with disability learners that they maybe don't quite think about. Fatigue had become quite a big factor um, for Sarah, and she was she was actually like nodding off during that scene. Um, and the the techniques we'd had with Jess, we'd, we found were quite successful with the technique called mirroring where um, it happened where Jess would do the performance and all and Leon and Sarah had to do that performance back to her. They would just pick out the lines in, in post. Um, but I think it got to the point where, I mean, it's the same with any actor, I think that the technique to start to wear a little thin uh, by that point and, and Sarah wasn't really, wasn't responding to Jess as well as, as she was previously. So... I think we had a, we had a point where we had to go uh, nuclear, where, where um, I had to go in and I had to I acted in the scene with, with Sarah and I think it was kind of like um, when the, when the director comes on board and starts acting part of the scene, it's uh, kind of ups, ups the ante somewhat and um, I think me and Sarah went over that scene about seven times. So did uh, you did you do a lock off and a split screen then? No, the no, we we managed to knock off a wide, but it was when we came to do the when we came to do the singles. Ah, okay. Um that's when I had to sit and I had to do I did the mirroring technique with her, we did the scene with her. Um so I it was literally on on the singles of Sarah, it was literally line by line. I was literally repeating the same line about five times again again and again the yeah. before move on to the next line. But it was really trippy trying to um think about getting the performance there and and not really knowing what I, what what was on the monitor. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, That's quite challenging. Oh, totally. So do we really have to cover um, the bases quite a lot? It was really tricky, and it's it's the first time I've ever done that. I mean, I've done a lot of children's before, um, but I've never had to to kind of do the the mirroring technique myself. Before. I have. <laughs> but we did um, it twice, we, I think. But yeah, it's not easy. No, it's really tricky. Yeah. But, um, we, I mean, that, that was not the only technique we used. We used, used music a lot and dancing. Well, we'll um, come to dancing later. Um, oh, what I want to, what I wouldn't, I'd love to kind of follow and talking about, because we're talking about shooting. So I, I, I would probably kind of go, all oh, right, yeah, two cameras, do it all, two cameras, exactly. Tell us, I, I'm firstly, I want to ask you, day one, was it what you expected? Day one of the shoot, did you breeze in, have that powerful day and go, ah, oh, here we go. Uh, oh, uh, excuse me, language, but going into it, we had no fucking clue what was going to happen. Uh, really, it was that kind of best laid plans and that, but getting on the floor and thinking, fucking hell, I was just going to work. Um, yeah, I think the. Uh, we started and no two quite, cameras, no two cameras, no two oh, cameras, fail safe. No, I think I was very, we were very conscious. Um, again, it was a, a thing we thought about early on, we were very conscious about the, the amount of voices and noise on the floor. Mm-hmm. So we 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 only use one camera, um, but the the fantastic DLP had the idea of, of shooting in six K. Oh, smart! Uh, so as such, we could get 
obviously two sizes out of one shot um, because we were aware that we probably wouldn't get the same continuity of performance take after take. Um, so we shot at 6K. That was one of the things we did. Unbeknownst, uh, we bought so much storage, we'd nearly run out of storage for the whole shoot by middle of middle of day two. Oh! Yeah. It's... So we, we had to kind of be selective with the use of 6K after that point. Um, but yeah, I think day one when we came into it, I, I don't get nervous. That's my probably one of my strongest traits of a human being. I don't get ever get nervous. Um, but got, there was some interpretation on knowing what we'd get. We'd, we'd done the comfort we had was knowing that we'd done everything we possibly could to try and achieve what we set out to do. We knew we had the right people in place. We knew we had a plan. So as a director, what more can you ask for, really? Extra um, time? Yeah, extra time. Another week? Because that's quite yeah. a fast shoot for that, for this kind of thing. Exactly, yeah, it was quite tight. Um, yeah. But we had everything in place. Um, yeah, we just kind of went for it because we knew, we always knew, as I said previously, that if we could get Leon and Sarah yeah. on screen rather than Ralph and Katie, we'd be, we'd be winning. Yeah. So it was all about creating that environment. We, we did little stuff like when we did a, when we did a block, we'd do a block and show it to the crew. Then we'd ask Leon and Sarah to leave. And when they'd left, that's when we started discussing shots and things. Oh, okay. like we didn't want to burden Leon and Sarah in any way, shape or form with any form of technical jargon. We just wanted them to be them and be comfortable in the environment with all these voices shouting and chaos going off and mm-hmm. whatnot. So we just, as soon as they left, then we discussed what we we're going to do. Uh, Did you include their PAs in those discussions so they could sort of prep? They could prep Leon and Sarah as to how long that would take. Yeah, uh, we, yeah, they were. They, Leon and Sarah had their own spaces to go to. Um, right. I think we set up individual spaces for Leon and Sarah. They had a, a, a space to relax, a space to go to when we're not filming, and on set. So they had three distinct zones they kind of went to. Um, like the dressing room was the place they went to relax and sleep and things and they had another like a, a space to go to when they were still needed on set but it was their space we do uh, little stuff like we didn't have um, we didn't have red light and bell um, oh that's good frequently we'd turn over um, without declaring it literally yeah. the first day they'd walk past the front of the camera going like that uh, so Leon and Sarah wouldn't know we were turning and we'd just shoot things on the hoof um, see what we could get because all of a sudden when you put a clapperboard on everyone freezes and goes tense and things and a, a, a weird thing that I I, I worked out um, I'd do a block with Leon and Sarah we'd do like three or four runs of it oh god this is perfect we'd get there then we'd do a crew rehearsal and it'd completely go it'd completely go back to scratch the performance you'd get and then it always took five takes don't ask me why for the performance to come all full circle and back to what we had in the block. Okay. I have no idea how that worked, but it was always five takes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the technique we kind of fell into. <laughs> and then so um, so you you're up and running, and then you've got the deep joy of COVID. Um, yeah. And then so you you managed to get through the first week. What was the uh, what was the response from execs and stuff looking at rushes and assemblies? Because that's always that that nail-biting first week 
when they'd have a look at that on a Friday. I think I think before we started the shoot, there was a great deal of fear. Oh, <laughs> like right. An interpretation from, from upstairs um, about if this was possible and if it if it it'd fall on its backside. Um, no, it's the case with anything when you go into the unknown, you, you don't know what you're going to get. We had, we had, I had no clue. None of us had any clue. And but we were handling the the money and the politics side of it. We didn't have to worry about that. But um, a lot of pressure was on the people that did. Um, and I think that that went on for. Oh, I think they were slightly concerned all through pre-production. Um, but kind of after the first week's rushes, I think we kind of realised that we'd we'd found a kind of groove and rhythm. And I think Sarah and Leon were kind of pulling out the hat and our techniques were working. It was it was tight at times. Um, we always had a, a KBS at the end of the day. It was always Hollywood in the morning, Hollyoaks in the afternoon. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of... Um, yeah, but they, they, they soon relaxed when they, they realised that I had a plan, the DOP had a plan, the designer had a plan. We were working a treat with Jess, Leon and Sarah knew what they were doing and their responsibilities and everyone knew their places and everyone was pulling in the same direction. It kind of worked for everybody, really, but, yeah. It was, Brilliant. No, it could, it could, the nerves were palpable uh, when it started. Because I mean, it's like there's enough pressure anyway. But should we should we look at the second clip and then we can talk about other tech, other other things that you brought in? Here we watched a clip with Ralph and Katie from episode four, from about thirteen minutes to fifteen minutes in. Oh, it's such a lovely. Oh, having, it looks lovely, but I'm having horrific flashbacks. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> and just just a general shout out to people who are watching. Please you know, do ping us some questions as we go along if you would like. Otherwise, I'm just going to carry on chatting because chat we can. Well, can Tell us totally about how ask, you did that. You can totally ask anything as well. I'm open to anything. Well, um, that was shot of obviously different days and different things, but I'm just speaking about the exterior first. There's, there's things with you don't count on with people with disabilities. Um, that shot of the back garden was at the very end of a, a long day. Um, and believe it or not, Sarah had eight layers on there. Um, which she was had what, sorry? Eight layers on of thermos. Oh, I thought, oh, right, she was cold then, possibly. Yeah, um, we, yeah, because this was another a disability that wasn't quite, I mean, we knew she got cold and didn't have the, very good circulation and things, yeah. but we 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 had to go. We had to really look after Sarah that night, and it was literally she was probably outside for twenty seconds, and she was properly shaking, and it was proper. I was properly scared if we could for her, and I I, I, I had to be we had to be as quick as possible. We rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed, and we literally pushed Sarah out for like twenty seconds, um, and I, I felt really bad for her because she was really cold, but. We, we it doesn't look happy. Yeah, I'll say that. We've done everything we could, um, but been out because it was like a a, a, a dis, dis, disability trait that isn't at the forefront, but it's there. Mm. Uh, and so we really had to take care of Sarah at that, that time. Um, but she was a trooper and she did it, and she was she was okay. But um, I just wanted it in and out as quick as possible. I didn't mm. want to, to to struggle. Um, so getting that, but the second half was a lot more tricky when she's in the bedroom. Um, so we brought in the 
the most amazing place called Ita, Ita O'Brien, who, who was, an, was an intimacy coordinator. And can I just say, having an intimacy coordinator in our industry is the best idea and the best thing ever. And I will advocate intimacy coordinators on the day I die for everybody. I mean, you wouldn't do stunts without a stunt coordinator, so no, why would you exactly. not? Yeah. I can't understand why there's any form of resistance whatsoever against the intimacy coordinator. I don't get it. But it was so helpful having Eta there. And on that day as well, I was exceptionally terrified because um, we didn't have Jeff on that day. Um, oh. So I had to act as Jess, oh. which doubled my stress levels as well as trying to direct the thing i was trying to be the accessibility coordinator as well um i, I just on kind of speed dial so i was like what, what the fuck do i do uh kind of thing essentially um you'd notice that, i don't know if you guys noticed on that one but tia came out of sarah at the end the stage director she had to lay in bed and, and cry i think that was about take 13. um okay she didn't um it was, it's hard getting someone to cry as an actor anyway. It's quite a difficult skill. We couldn't use any tear stick on, on Sarah or Leon. Um, so trying to get Sarah to cry was tricky. Um, and we'd kind of run out of things to do. Um, I was saying, oh, let's make the audience cry. This is your this is your BAFTA. This is how we're going to get awards and recognition. This is the this is the scene of the episode that we need to nail and all, all, the, all the other... Of the stuff you come out with as a director and it kind of won't work and it was pure luck that um Sarah just laid down and her eyes started watering it was just sheer she wasn't even aware that it happened it was just pure fluke um but again trying to work with um Leon on that day without any any Jess and trying every technique in the book that I could think of to try and get a Something like that was was tricky. So if you're in a situation like that and you do lose the intimacy coordinator, it's um, as a director you, you have to kind of embrace that role as well. And I think every director on every project should be open to that. Brilliant. I mean, I I, I, it's, I think it's excellent. Um, before I move on to the next clip, I am gonna I I think you should talk about how you managed when you got COVID. Oh Christ. Because, you know, this is all shot in COVID times. It gives a whole nother dimension and, and level of trickiness. Exactly. Um, oh, there's a great great question come in. Uh, Justin, I'll, I'll, I'll ask in a sec. I'll just do this. I'll just do the COVID bit. Oh. I've just got, you've got to talk about that because that was quite remarkable. I mean, oh. Probably the most stressful time of my life, that Dallas. We're going so well. We'd shot five weeks, it was five, four weeks, and we'd just gone out of studio, and it was our first day on location, I think. And I felt a little bit snotty. And I said to the COVID coordinator, if I haven't got COVID, I, I'm not well, I must have COVID. And we did a test, and yeah, I had COVID. And I was like, shit. We're in such good groove with Leon and Sarah, we, I, we weren't stopping. Nothing was stopping us keeping going. We didn't want to throw off the how well we were running. So they locked me inside a van with a monitor for the day and a, and a talk back for the day. And I was, as the day was going on, I was feeling worse and worse and worse. I was sweating oh. in the back of this van. The windows were steamed up. Oh, I was trying to communicate through... Um, talk back and people talking to people through the window of the car 
And when I went to the toilet, I had to have someone escort me down the road to the toilet. It was, it was hell. Um, we realised we couldn't keep doing that, so Coops stepped in for day two. So I was trying to relay messages to Coops, and she was trying to relay it to the floor, which was starting to get jumbled after a while. Um, Coops was amazing and battled through that and did a fantastic job. Um, but then we thought, well, there must be an easier way to do this. So oh, I'm just going to jump in and say Coop, uh, Amy Coop was the second, the second AD. He was the director second. in her own right as well. I'll tell you what, Coops is a brilliant second, but she's an amazing director as well. Um, she deserves all the, all the credit. Um, so then we, we came up with another technique. Uh, so I, by this time, I was kind of dying in my apartment of, of, of COVID. It was kind of setting in by this point. But I had, I had the camera feed on my laptop and I had a FaceTime feed on my iPad. And the first AD had me on FaceTime around his neck so I could talk directly to actors without being there. Um, and we managed to puzzle, muddle through like three or four days doing that, which was which was quite cool. Um, we managed to keep it going because um, we couldn't stop. We had to keep going. But, yeah, that's uh, if you can keep going through COVID like that, I think anything was possible. Um, but we had to be very, very careful of, of Leon and Sarah. Yeah. as well because they're, they're quite vulnerable to it so we had to take all measures because we kind of we knew it was coming because my boy got tested positive for COVID on the Sunday ah um, so I went in on the Monday and I was still negative but still I was isolated in the studio so I was in my own little room in the studio so I was still around but yep. then it was the next day when we got onto location I tested positive it's just, um, it's like, it's just like, how much more can you? Oh, it was because it was like four hours. I mean, oh, when I wanted to go to the toilet on that first day, they literally had to empty the corridors. I think, I think Jules took a took a video on her phone of me walking down the corridor. I remember from running out of the way as I was approaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a brilliant thing though I And mean, I just think it's testimony to how fantastic your team were That you were all yeah. cracked on Yeah we had to kind of think Again it was, it was, it was thinking outside yeah. the box And thinking logically how it could be done Yeah, uh, we, we had to literally do that with everything on this show <laughs> Right so on that note I'm going to play the next clip um, Because it's so joyous So here we go Finally we watched a clip of the fishing scene Also from episode 4 About 7 minutes into the episode I love that so much. I didn't want to switch it off. I was just having a good dance. I think it should be law that everyone has to watch that first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, uh, just talk about the scene for us. It was, um, I think... And the, dancing. Talk about I, dancing. Yeah, talk about this. I think that um, I've worked with a lot of actors in my time, um, but I don't think I've ever worked with another actor like Leon, who's as proud to do as to do what they do as he is. Um, and Leon loves dancing. It, 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 I said to, because Jess, again, uh, she choreographed that with Leon. And he had his hand, um, had his, that was all his chore choreography, more or less. Oh, wow. um, and he, he loves dancing. He choreographs his own, he loves JLS. And he choreographed his own things that. And I, I said to Jess, how many takes do you think Leon's got in him for this? And she said, oh, he'll, he'll do it all day. Just give him a bag of crisps every now and again. He'll, he'll keep going. Um, <laughs> the joy you see on screen was literally oozing from, from Leon doing that. I think it took, I think he rehearsed that for about three, four weeks before we shot it. 
Um, and I think we did that in about three or four takes. And I think oh. the, um, I uh, absolutely love doing it. But I think that dancing became a mantra for, for, for the, the whole show. Um, because every day, it was normally about 11 o'clock and about three o'clock, we kind of, as you do, anybody does, we kind of had a dip in energy uh, on the set. And it would just blast a random song and literally the whole crew would run into set. Everybody had had a boogie for about two seconds, uh, two or three minutes. Then everyone had run off set, we'd literally roll up straight away and shoot and try and capture the, the, the energy that was on the set. And I think with, with that dance we did there on our, I think it was my birthday actually, we were shooting at Bollington in uh, Cheshire. And uh, it was the, the front of the house and it was, a, it was a lovely green outside the front of the house. And at the end of the day, we put some put the music on and we, we, we all started doing that dance, the whole crew. And the pub over the road emptied and everybody from the pub came and we had a massive impromptu dance <laughs> on the green outside the house with Leon leading us on and he was he was so chuffed. And it's about embracing the the energy, what people enjoy and trying to capture that that energy was a massive thing for us. Um, and I think we've got to do a big push this year to try and get Leon on Strictly, just to do that dance. Oh, that'd be amazing. Because I yeah. have to say, one of the things that I... I his comedic timing generally is is so I, good. I've worked with many, many seasoned actors, household names. I can easily say that Leon is in the top three actors that I've ever worked with. He's, oh wow! He his timing is impeccable. He loves what he does. He's all over it. He he wants to understand the character. He wants to understand the emotion. He wants to be there. Um, and he was so proud. His goal in life was to be kind of like be the number one, be the lead on something. Um, and he was so proud of it. And he he just won the 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 BAFTA breakthrough. And I can't think of another person more deserving. Uh, um so that brings us so that's the shoot I've, I've got a I've got a I did also want to ask a little bit about because clearly other actors like Pookie is so comfortable um around I mean she's so comfortable with Sarah and Leon and I know she was on the A word as well but I was going to say did you include uh for example you had a fabulous post person in um episode two and <laughs> this is a running gag it was Jules the producer right so did you find it when you had extra parts? Did you find it useful to bring in people that they knew, or was that just a happy accident? Well, I think describing the post person is fantastic. He's probably a bit over enthusiastic. I think acceptable as well. I'm saying this, but I think um, I, I hope some hear me say this, but I think I think Jules is an amazing, amazing producer, and this couldn't have happened without her at all. Yeah. She's an amazing producer, but I genuinely can't think of a better human being than Jules Hussey. Oh, and so I never, so I never tell her this, but I, 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 I love her deeply, and I do absolutely anything for her. But don't ever repeat that to her. Okay. Um, yeah, I think with so um, you talk a bit about so Pookie and involving because like like when I see so Jules on screen or I see some of those other people on screen, did you did you encourage? Um, crew members, if they were, if they had five minutes to be in the back of a shot, or well, well, I was in it. <laughs> That's what I was angling for. You had your Hitchcock uh, moment, yeah. I had my Hitchcock moment in episode two. Uh, Peter Bowker was also in episode two. Excellent. I, 
Well, I think Bob comes in every episode, actually. Brilliant. Yeah, um, I always say that, that Pete looks, looks like Morrissey if Morrissey didn't give a shit. <laughs> um, so I kind of put him in here everywhere and we created... There was him and Kieran, actually, who was the third. And they created... Between themselves, they created a subplot of son and, and father. And, uh, did, um, and did Leon and Sarah respond to that? Did they enjoy that? Yeah, well, Leon, um, there was a line in it that was actually didn't make the final cut. I think Leon had to tell me to fuck off. Um, <laughs> in it, he didn't make it, but he was he was so chuffed at telling me to fuck off. <laughs> he was so excited about that. Um, yeah, I think it was important to we literally everybody was on it. All the cast and crew, we literally sat them down with Leon and Sarah beforehand. Um, so so they were they were familiar with them. Okay. Um, and I think Pookie had this long, she had a, a good relationship with Leon beforehand from the airword and things. And there's like there's Leon, Sarah, uh, Leon, Pookie, and Christopher Eccleston uh, from the airword. And I, I've since drummed up a bit of a relationship with Chris, and he said he thinks of Leon and Pookie as family. And oh. that's what we kind of wanted to capture. And I think I have the connection with Pookie as well. Some, um, Sorry, I'm getting emotional talking about now, but um episode five um was kind of kind of my episode. And I think the relationship that Pookie has with Leon in that episode was very, very similar um to the relationship I have with my mum. Um and I wanted to kind of capture that. Um and I think we did, and I think again it was going back to the, the whole situation of casting where the actors we cast, I mean, Pookie was already cast, but the, the actors we, we cast had to give as much and have that relationship with Leon and Sarah on a personal level as well. Um, and I think kind of did that with with um, Dylan and Jamie as well that we brought in, and, and Sam as well, who played Gary, and Craig, um, who played Brian. Um, they had to be totally giving to, to Leon and Sarah and have a, a relationship with them as well and there's a Leon telling me to fuck off there's a Pete, Pete said he wished he had filmed it because we did a there's a scene in episode um five when um Ralph tells Brian to fuck off yeah I remember. And, and it was me and Leon were stood in the kitchen and, and Leon had said to me um he'd done it a few times and we'd not quite got there Pete said he'd wish he'd have filmed it but he didn't I'd gone up to Leon and I'd just gone, fuck off! And I had to Leon, and Leon had walked straight out of the door to do the take. And Pete said, I wish I'd have filmed that just out of context. It looked like me just going up to Leon and going, fuck off! And <laughs> out the door. Oh, my God. Well, that brings us really neatly to, to post, because I'm aware there are a couple of questions I want to leave time for at the end. Um, so... Talk a little bit about post because I know that post production on a show like this again is different. Yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, we all have expectations. You know, you always have that thing. Have you? Have you? The famous line: Have you got a shot of? And can you show me the turning point in a performance, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Those those notes that come through. How do you navigate those waters? Because this is going to this is going to be necessarily different. And I know you deployed a lot of techniques, technical techniques to to work on that i think uh, every technique in the book was has kind of been there at some some spot um i think we had to i didn't want to be in the position 
where I was, they said to me, have you got this shot? Have you got that shot? I think dealing with what we had, had to deal with the situation we were in, I, I, I think that was quite low, low down on the list of the, the, the issues we had to tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what we, we did with employing the, the technique of 6K, every shot would give us two shots, essentially. Um, so, well, I think at times we had to... We, we didn't just shoot at 6K, we shot a lot of stuff at 50 frames. Um, on the, only on the singles of Leon and Sarah. So we, we knew we could, if we had to, we could slow down any reactions that were there or manufacture any reactions that were there. As well as there's numerous bits where we we, we sped shots up, we slowed shots down. We, 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 we had to um, play shots in reverse at times. Um, we used split screen quite a lot because we knew... The performance from Leon, uh, Sarah was quite good. Maybe Leon had a better one on a, another take. And so, did you do that split screen? Was not so much designed, but it's just something you did in post rather than post. Yeah, it wasn't designed on the floor, but I thought, well, that's bad. Now, can we somehow manufacture it? Yeah, we, did, we tried not to. I mean, we did a lot of ADR, um, but we tried not to to use that too much because we wanted to be truthful to to the, to the performances we had. Uh, so we, we did some ADR, but we, did, we didn't it didn't go in the, the um, final take ninety percent of the time because okay. um, the, the the truthful performances from Sarah and Leon were the ones we were caught on camera. It was quite kind of hard to replicate that performance again in ADR and get it accurate. Um, so, but I mean, they were they're fantastic anyway. They were they were all over what we needed. All most of the ADR we used were from the other actors uh, that were put in. Um. Um, I think my answer was fantastic at uh, putting things together and just, just literally because we did we didn't shoot scenes in the entirety as I said before we we're literally going line by line at times so my editor was really good at picking out the right performances and trying to piece things together and manufacture things on the hoof and I think there was a <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. there's a, a montage in episode one where um, Emma moves in with uh, with Ralph and Katie. Oh, yeah, uh, very funny. And just we used the song Just the Two of Us. In the <laughs> uh, it was originally scripted um, as the Spice Girls Two Become One. Oh, brilliant. But when you watch it and put the Spice Girls song on it, it made it look like that, <laughs> that uh, Katie and Emma were having an affair <laughs> rather than <laughs> moving in. So we had to we had to come up with a different um, song selection for that as well. Um, but we literally had to use every every technique you can possibly imagine to try and um, manufacture the right performances at times. And we had to pick out. I mean, every scene must have about four or five different takes in for them to work. Um, so I'd be constantly mindful. I was saying to the, the script advisor all the time, mark that one up. No, forget that. Use that line from that take, that line from that take, that line from that take for it to work. So you had to be constantly thinking on your feet and working all the time, uh, which isn't a bad thing at all. No. You clearly had a good script supervisor who did mark it up. Yeah, we had, we had, uh, yeah she, she was very busy. <laughs> Another one, responsibility. Um, before I open open it to the to the to the cyber floor, as it were, um, I just want to talk a little bit 
about beyond the show because I think beyond the show there's some really important things um have come out of it I think visibility for you and for the actors um but I want to start with the story you're telling me yesterday about Rotten Tomatoes and iPlayer because this is why it matters so much who tells stories yeah we got uh, we got an email from from one of the execs and got 100 percent review on Rotten Tomatoes which is really good um but then I looked at the what the um so summary was on, on Rotten Tomatoes about Ralph and Katie. And it was something like uh, about a couple, uh, uplifting tale about a couple living with Down syndrome. And I was kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and I looked on iPlayer and iPlayer had said the same thing. And I was like, for fuck's sake, everything we've, we've fucking done, how hard I've worked, how hard Jules has worked, how hard the whole production has worked to do the show. This is not a show about fucking disability or Down syndrome. This could be a show about any couple dealing with daily problems and daily life. Um, I always kind of set out to make this the British version of This Is Us. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I had no interest whatsoever in making a show about disability. This is not what it's about. And I thought I was very short-sighted of of iPlayer and Rotten Tomatoes to think this is a show about disability. It shows that they hadn't watched the show or taken any interest in what we've done. Everything we'd worked for is about representation and inclusivity and not about disability. And for them to do that, really, uh, I've got a term I was using throughout because it, uh, it boiled my piss. <laughs> Sorry, what? Boiled my piss. That's the, that's the term I, I was using frequently whenever I was getting annoyed. <laughs> uh, I, I was bought a diary. Um, with 98 degrees on the front, which is the temperature that piss boils at. <laughs> That's very good. But it, it, it's, I mean, and for me, it's just so important that you directed it, that you were there at the forefront and you're the one actually holding, you know, holding, not holding think, iPlayer and Rotten Tomatoes to account, but writing to them saying, no. Yeah. I think they can't turn around to you and go. <laughs> yeah, it's not just about having disabled people working part of the production lived experience is the the big thing and I think again I, I, I'm doing myself a disservice here but I have to talk about Jules again um, um, I she, Jules again she's amazing but she she taught me so I've learned more from Jules about disability in nine months than I've done in the previous 38 years of my life um, Jules doesn't have a disability but she has a, she has such life experience um, of living with people with disabilities. She understands disability better than sorry, better than anybody I've ever known or ever met, and she's taught me so much. And, and she doesn't again she doesn't have a disability, but this show couldn't have happened without her um, and all her life experience. And about eighty percent of the stuff that was implemented on this show has come from Jules and Jules's experience and willingness to, to push and achieve this. And again, to have that, that short-sightedness of someone like the BBC iPlayer, to put something like that, boiled my piss. <laughs> well, it's just like, because it's like, I think episode five is just such a fantastic episode. And it's just, it's true of any of any young man and his mum. No, yeah. it's, uh, and it's, it's a, and the Christmas episode cracked me up. I thought that, that was just so funny. Like most of us can identify with that. Well, hopefully, anyway. I think episode um, five was because the, the the show 
up to that point had been kind of uplifting and um, it'd always been like real life stories. But I think the, the thing about it at five is it's it's something that affects can affects everybody. Everybody can relate to it at five, and I think Leon had such an understanding of that episode of that that what we're doing and about cancer and um i was sorry i'm getting emotional um i was able to implement my plans to the full without any restrictions because leon had gone in depth and he really knew what we wanted and had to do mm-hmm. so at times going back to responsibility i had to give some creativity at times to get the, the story told and the right performance. But with that five, I was kind of able to run with my plans without any limitations and things. And I think that's that and the, 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 the themes and the stories about it affecting everybody. And one day he will lose this person he loves and the relationship with him and his mum are kind of resonant to everybody. And I think that's what makes it so strong. Even like with the opening titles, we didn't have a bright, cheery image. We had choppy water in front of them to kind of set it up. So yeah, it's, Oh, it's beautiful. Um, I'm going to open up to the metaphorical slash cyber floor. And we've got a question in. Um, well, um, I should have said thank you. That was uh, really interesting. Um, so we've got a question in. Uh, thanks for creating such an important show. To what extent were the leads and other people with relevant lived experience able to contribute to the storylines? If so, how did you do it? Um, so there you go. If so, how did you do it? I think from a, from a storyline point of view, um, the six episodes and the six writers. Um, Pete wrote episode one, uh, who Pete doesn't identify as having a disability. Um, but the other five writers had a um, had disabilities, um, and they're all new writers as well, uh, but oh, fairly new. Um, so they they all brought their experience to it, and I think I. As a disabled guy, I view the world a different way and I understand how people view me and and everyone has their own unique view of the world. And I think it's important to that people who make these types of the writers and directors have to have an understanding of, of in this context, disability. And even if they have a disability or not, the lived experience is key um, to that. And I've always said that I would not if they do, if they do a season two. I would not come back for for season two because other other disabled people have to have the opportunity, and I'd, I'd hope that the writers do the same. I hope they'd have new disabled writers as well because we can't keep I can't keep directing disabled stories, and the writers can't keep writing the same uh, doing the same thing. So I'd, I'd hope we've kind of opened the door. Um, and how, much, and how much did sorry to interrupt how much did leon and sarah did they have a say in storylines or did they have a say in story did you get them involved quite early yeah leon and sarah had um they brought their own we, we sat down with them and spoke about the stories with them and they, they kind of got attached to them stories a lot i think leon got very attached to episode five and i think sarah got very attached to episode four uh, we spoke about their understanding and what they would feel in them situation in their situations, 
And Leon had a really good understanding of episode five from um, the storyline in the airword when um, his mum got breast cancer in the airword. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of encountered that before. And kind of one of Sarah's kind of worst nightmares was would be her, her parents splitting up. And mm-hmm. obviously that's what we did in episode four. Um, so she had a kind of real emotional attachment to that as well. So she was kind of able to go to place and bring that real life emotion with her. Um, so yeah, we all had, and I brought my lived experience of disability. And Jules brought her. Jules was. I'm giving her far too much credit here, and it's it's pain. <laughs> um, but Jules brought a lot of her lived experience out in pre-production um, as well, which was utterly invaluable. And then talking about um, the about how much Leon and Sarah sort of were attached to sort of certain storylines. Did you ever improvise around the script or did you stick to it religiously? Was Peter very open to letting you play with it and making it? Because, uh, you know, sometimes working with that, different actors have different I don't know, sensibilities around scripts. Sometimes you need to let people just go off script a little bit. I think Jules, particularly Jules himself, but particularly Jules, went through the scripts early on in, in pre-production and we flagged up things that we might have difficulty with. Um, they, they were quite rigid on us sticking to the script. Well, well, they were very rigid on the script. We couldn't really change anything um, to to a crazy extent. Um, but then eventually, we, we did some takes that weren't quite getting through. If we did like five, six takes, we said, "Look, we're going to have to have to change this." Uh, but we always had to go at everything that was there. Um, we kind of st- tried to stick to what was on the page. Okay. And then I've got um, I. Um, uh, there's a comment here just saying um, it's really important um, that you value your whole team, especially producers. <laughs> but actually, it's true, isn't it? It's like as a director, you've got to value your whole team. And I think if nothing else, what you're talking about on this show is every single member of your team, every single member of the team sounds to me like they were valued so highly. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I wanted everybody to understand that they were so valued and we didn't have any time for people feeling left out or ostracised in any way people had every voice mattered and I literally listened to everybody's opinion on everything um I see our job as director and my job as director not to be a kind of a dictator I always see the director as the, the person with the flag running at the front um in that sense we're all part of a team um yeah, so the camaraderie on there was superb, really good. And then the other thing um, that's just come up uh, in the questions, which is something I was going to pick up on, is talk to us a little bit about your accessible call sheet and accessibility you, it, and everything you did in terms of badges, which is like, I want that on every shoot I do ever. Uh, and the call sheets, because um, I don't have, a, do I have a copy of that here to show the, you? The call sheet was fucking superb. Um <laughs> When you look at the um, a call sheet, as you know, sometimes it's like looking at a fucking matrix. Yep. Um, so we literally it's had... overwhelming sludge of black and white, isn't it? It's just, yeah. We're doing the same thing for when Ralph and Kate go out as well. Um, I can't remember what they called it. Um, I don't know if, if Jules is well, anybody from production is watching this, but if you could put up and explain the real name for it, a message board or something. But we did the same thing when it went out. But all we did on the Easy Read call sheet was what time breakfast is, what scenes we're doing in the morning, what time lunch is, what scenes we're doing in the afternoon with pictures. 
and you could just pick it up and glance at it. People working in the industry for like 30 years were saying, this is the best thing ever. Why haven't we always done this? Um, and I'm going to work in Budapest um, next week, and I'm, I've, I've said to them, I want the easy week tall sheets, especially working with foreign crews as well. Mm-hmm. It's understandable for everybody. And name badges, the amount of crew we have to remember. But what we did is we all had name badges on with our names, our pronouns, our job, and something we liked. Oh, well. brilliant. So we couldn't talk to people about where we was there. And we, yeah, it was just superb in the environment. So we even did stuff like um, on the credits, Turbo was the best boy, but we put boy in inverted commas in, in the credits and stuff. So it's, Oh, brilliant. Someone's just put up the, some of the productions put up the template and it's in the, it's in the chat if anybody wants to uh, look at it. Because I, I, I was trying to open it, but there's it's in the chat. I would, I would implore from now on every shoot to have easy read call sheets, the call it app and main badges. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I must admit, with uh, the amount of people, sometimes you, t- you turn around and go, oh boy, I have to write down everybody's names and forget them immediately. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then what I suppose the golden question for you is, um, you answer the thing, would you do Ralph and Kate again? And not this time, but do you have one thing that you take away from the shoot? It's a slightly difficult question to ask you, but is this one thing you take away from the whole project? What would it be? Well, it's the greatest, greatest job I've ever done, and I can't imagine doing a job better. Um, it was really, really, really hard at times. Really hard. It's the hardest job I've ever done. It was the best job I've done because... We didn't we didn't make a pioneering show. It went way beyond that. Way beyond that. We we've we've changed people's lives, we've given people opportunities and freedoms, we've opened the door for more disabled creatives. We've shown the industry what can be achieved on nothing. Mm. And we've kind of led the way. And I I promised Leon on day one that I will get him a BAFTA. And that is my, is my dream that we get some form of recognition for this show, for Leon, for Jules, for the hard work. If, if nobody else but them two, that would be happy. And then, well, I mean, so you're on your way. You've got one nomination in already. Yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, and then uh, Liam with his BAFTA, break, BAFTA Breakthrough Brit, BAFTA breakthrough, yeah. um, which, is, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I got it a couple of years ago, and I got, I got the thing every year saying that the, I get an email every year saying they're looking for nominees, and as soon as it appeared, I rang Jules and said, put Leon, let's put Leon in, let's put Leon in. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it came through, and it, he so deserves it. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor, and a lovely, lovely person. There's a talk a little bit about just to finish it off. There's this brilliant clip, which unfortunately I don't have. It's like when you, you, you're doing your Eric and Ernie with you and Leon in the bed. Yeah, yeah we, did, uh, uh, we did some EPK stuff. Um, and me and Leon have a really good, we speak to each other, we FaceTime each other like every other day. Um, it's just Leon FaceTiming me and taking the piss out of football, really. <laughs> Most of the time. Um, but yeah, we, we did um, EPK stuff and Instead of doing the standard stuff like sat in a chair talking, me and him um, got in uh, Ralph and Katie's bed and sat up in bed and uh, just chatted to each other about the show and stuff. And they used all the EPK stuff just to 
for something different. But um, yeah, we we kind of have the. I I I see Leon as my little brother, and I'll always be there for him and do anything he what he wants. So um, I'll go and see him and whatnot. And he's got an open invitation here. So oh, brilliant! Uh, yeah, and I, I think it'll be a, a disservice to Leon if he doesn't. If his dreams aren't handed to him, because he deserves everything that comes his way. I think you all do. I think every single person on this show does. Um, I, I don't know if there's any more questions because I'm, I'm aware of I'm aware of the time and that we probably should slowly wind up. But anybody got anything else that they'd you like can to ask me? Anything, literally anything. Oh, oh, oh! I, I I'm I'm sitting trepidation looking at the Q and A box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I I'm an MSB when I watched it. The like my. My thing to you is I hope you all win. I hope you win the recognition you get. Because honestly, I watched it and you just go, I knew a little bit about what, you know, a little bit about the process. You never know. It just it's so smooth. And the two shots when you the, the your choices in the edit where you just let the two of them play together, like there's a two shot on the sofa, which is so sweet. And you allow them to breathe the performances. So I know you had to manipulate things, but you kind of covered it brilliantly. I, I thought it was beautifully edited and shot. The chemistry with Sarah Leon was very good. Um, she called him Tiger. Did uh, she? Yeah, and he used to go out and she used to go down Tiger. <laughs> um, so yeah, they had a really close relationship and they were friends. And I, as I was saying, all, all we really had to do was was capture Sarah and Leon. Then we knew we, we couldn't fail. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're just trying to create the environment where they could be themselves. Jordan, thank you so much. It's been absolutely oh, brilliant. Pleasure. Really, Do you know what? Thank you for sharing so much because it's it. I just I learned so much as a director for me and you going. I've you know I've worked with lots of disabled people, but never in main, never in main lead roles per se. Maybe a guest episode here and there, but nothing like you have. And just the. Everything about the, the shoot is so groundbreaking. I hope that we, I hope the industry, we as directors, take that with us. It's like my dream. So I mean, I was speaking to a guy at the Inevitable Foundation in the, in the US that was part of the rights and director, a uh, high-end level. Yeah. About the, they, they know of one disabled director and five disabled writers. That's in the whole of the US. Oh. Said, we, we've done that in one fucking show. Yeah, <laughs> this is our time now. We've shown the industry what can be achieved on nothing. There's a whole talent pool here yeah. that is, is untapped, and it is a fucking great talent pool. And I think the other thing you've done, which is really exciting, is that you've opened it up for all of us or anybody, anybody on cruise, not to be afraid to talk about their if their visibility, if their disability is not visible. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think that that's just fantastic. Um, I've got a lovely note says, congratulations to Team Jordan. Sounds incredible what you've achieved. Uh, can't wait to watch the series. Do you know what? I binge watched it one night. It's just a joy. <laughs> I sat down to watch it just to kind of be, you know, to go, oh, yeah, I'll watch it. And then I went, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming out tonight. Just sat down and watched a lot. Well, I'm going in the shop today and a woman um, who uh, I didn't really know, but she knew my mum. So now she came and she came up to me and said, oh, that <laughs> was amazing. I'd never... I don't know who she was, but she knew my mum apparently. And the other thing I want, the last thing I wanted to leave it with is that um, I don't know if you, I don't know if anybody's seen the interviews that Jordan Jones had in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the press, but I'm so delighted that you, the director in a television series, is getting the recognition because we should. 
exactly. I think I'm and, and, I, and particularly you should for this show. So I'm very happy to see that. So more, more, more. The more visible, our, the better. I think our position gets frequently eroded. And I, I don't think enough people understand what we actually do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think if they watch this, they'll get this. And you listen, thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, that is us, I think. Bye. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.